gun. I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm going to start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. Um, hello, I'm checking in under the name Anderson. Hi, welcome to Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast that I'm aware of about Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and of course, Paul W.S. Anderson. My name is Eric Anderson. My name is Jeremy Anderson. Hello, Eric. Happy to be here. Happy to be back in the Wes Anderson uh, train car. I'll call it the Wes Anderson train car, where we are ro- right. rolling down the tracks with another classic Wes Anderson film. Yes. When we're covering Paul, uh, uh, wait, what's the other one? Paul Thomas Anderson's films. We are in a chopper. Uh, we're in like a very cool uh, chopper. And when we are in covering Paul W.S. Anderson films, mm-hmm. we are in, uh, what's that elevator ride in, <laughs> it, that's just like a drop? Yeah, the, the Tower, Tower of Terror. Terror. Yeah. Yes, we're just in a free fall mm. of, <laughs> not, yeah, it's not uh, good. Pure enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say, you know, we talked about this a little bit off mic or off air. I can't believe how many more Paul W.S. Andersons we have left. And we are a, we are going to finish Paul Thomas Anderson next week. Yeah, it's a little, um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, it's a little disappointing. But at this point, how do you, you know, you can't bail on it now. No, you know what I mean? You can't Christian so bail on it now. I actually, we actually don't have too much left to go, and and uh, here here's what we have left. So next week we'll do um, Phantom Thread. Yes, uh, and then we are doing the Three Musketeers, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh, Isle of Do- uh, Dogs. Isle of Dogs. And then we have three oh, more Paul W S Anderson movies plus. I, I don't... What's the status on Monster Hunter? It's out. You know? We can watch that. Okay, I guess we have four. Oh <laughs> so we'll have a month God. of... Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, But you know what? One of those, we have we have another Resident Evil, so we'll, we'll get Michael two, back two, on. Two more Resident Evil. Two more. Yeah. Great. Mm. We'll, we'll have Michael to, to, to help us out. I believe Pompeii uh, is the other, the, the fourth film there. Two Resident Evils, Pompeii and lovely. Monster Hunter. That sucks. I really enjoy <laughs> yeah. um, spreading those out with some some good stuff, and we have no yeah. more good stuff left to spread, so that sucks. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll only have to do three in a row, though, I think, of Paul W.S. Anderson's movies. Only three in a row. So that it shouldn't be too bad. We'll finish it. And then, Eric, do we want to start throwing it out to Twitter and whatnot? What our next... Our next yeah, episode. you know what? If you have any, um, you know, any suggestions about what we should change our podcast to, I mean, we've done all the Chucky movies, we've done all the De- Final Destination movies, we've done all the Kubricks, all the Lynches, all the mm-hmm. Andersons, almost. Uh, so 
you know, I guess any directors, I, I'm open to covering like an actor's body of work, I think might be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this too, what I would like to cover and, you know, certain, I, I'm still stuck on directors, I think, but I'm open to whatever. I, I was actually kind of thinking about the idea of what if we did like, Scorsese or something. Yeah, like that. I was thinking what if that. We did a Scorsese. I was thinking um, Scorsese. The Coen Brothers could be good. Mm. Um, I was also thinking uh, we could finish. I would like to. I mean, we already kind of did Gummo. I would like to do all the Harmony Koreans at some point. I guess we can always oh, yeah. just do those per- sporadically on the on the Patreon. Um, yeah, just I don't. Yeah, I think I think for me Scorsese would be f- a fun one. The Coens would be a fun one. Um, I wouldn't mind doing shorter series too, like shorter bodies of work. You know, kind of like how we did with Ari Aster. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm down. I'm. I'm down with that too. All uh, of the films of Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh man, oh, that would be great. Um, <laughs> but Jeremy, you know, it. Yeah. So uh, our Twitter is Hubie Halloween One. <laughs> Let us know what you. What you want to, you know, what you want us to do. We could do all the Sandlers, uh, too. That would be... I was thinking about that, too. Yeah, Um, that would be great. That could be fun. But, uh, Jeremy, if you want to hear more uh, content from us besides, um, you know, the Anderson films, where would you go? Well, I would personally go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy to hear... Patreon.com. Bonus.com. (laughs) <laughs> Eric and Jeremy slash Eric and Jeremy. There's a lot of stuff going on in that Patreon. It's kind of what I would well, and it's a a term that I coined recently, Eric. It's uh, Buck Wild in there. So um that's and that is something that I kind of came up with this term that it means just sort of crazy and unadulterated and there's like no supervision. Yeah. So. It's like the movie Coyote Ugly, mm. but mm-hmm. a premium uh podcast yeah just picture me and eric doing the coyote ugly sort of (laughs) dance with the with the bottles and spraying our our chests with alcohol but it's in a a podcast (laughs) yeah you're just in a room full of live mics yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's a good time over there though we just covered um well, we've been covering the uh, bonus sort of music video content of Paul Thomas Anderson, which uh, we're going to finish out uh, this week, or we or or has probably already dropped as of when you're listening to this. Yes, um, if you have somehow hacked into our SoundCloud, uh, you you might be listening to this before that episode drops. There but if go. not, that episode, both those episodes are out. Um, please. Stop logging into our SoundCloud account. Yeah. Um, Look, we'll take you know. our password off of our off of our show bio as soon as we can figure out how to do that. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, yeah. we put our login information in our in the show <laughs> bio. <laughs> I've contacted SoundCloud support. <laughs> uh, they just keep sending me gifts of uh, you know people laughing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pointing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jeremy, speaking of laughing and pointing, yes. we're talking about. Uh, Wes Anderson movie today, mm. and I, I'm gonna say I I think this is one of the funnier ones. I like this I like this movie a lot. It's a Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Eric, I'm, I'm glad that you like this one too. 
Um, here's a little sp- a little spoiler for later. I also liked this one. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, in fact, I actually really, really liked it. Uh, I don't remember loving it this much when I saw it in theaters, but upon my re-examination of it, it's a slightly older man. And, and also, I do think the story is a little complicated and a little convoluted, and I do think that a repeat viewing helps. Like, you kind of get your bearings straight with what's going on. But I think it's really worth it. I wouldn't typically... Uh, I'm going to give this one a pretty high Chucky freckle, just FYI. I'm not going to tell you what it is until later. But mm. I, I, I think that this is one of the few where I would give it a high ranking, even though it kind of, it kind of is like not for a one-time view. You kind of need to do it a couple times. I don't know how many times you've seen the film, but um, there were things about it that I was just like, oh, I didn't even realize that was part of the story the first time I saw it. And I think the convention is a little weird, like how it's three different stories or four different stories being told in layers, you know? Yes. So I actually only did see it that one time. I, yeah. uh, I, it, it's For some reason, it's a movie that I like... Somehow in my mind, I had convinced myself that I saw it when it came out, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't like, which, which is weird, but because I kind of just see every Wes Anderson, you know, movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I I was actually looking up uh, just to see what the other films are that came out in 2014, just to kind of remember if I had seen it. I don't think I did. This is the year of like Birdman. Yeah. And uh, it's a good year. Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. Good year for yeah. film. This also got nominated I, I, for a bunch of stuff, too. His films don't always get nominated is why it's worth mentioning. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, no, I ended up watching this movie thinking that I had seen it before, and I was I was kind of surprised. I was pr- pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, this is cool. I get to see, like, a new Wes Anderson movie for me. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I think I I know I get what you mean though because I enjoyed it on the first viewing, but um, I, it's a movie that I definitely want to watch again, and I don't necessarily, you know, know if I totally followed everything. Right. Uh, I mean, it's not overly complicated. It's but, pretty, uh, but there's I'll, a lot it's to pretty, take in. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's pretty complicated. Like I yeah. I uh, yeah. I even the second time watching it, I was like. It's 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 historical fiction on top of it being a caper, like a, a mystery film with a lot of ins and outs and plot details. So it's it's really confusing because you're like, is this a real thing or is this a fake thing or is this fantasy or is this reality? And also, um, like how much of this is important? You know, like how much of all of the weeds of the Madame D and the specifics of what she is you know, like what, what her is in her will, for example, like how much of that is worth even knowing or remembering when watching the movie? There's a lot of things that kind of, you know, a lot of, uh, MacGuffins and, and red herrings that kind of throw you off the path throughout the film. And ultimately a film though, that I think is really, really good and really worth, you know, diving into and investigating and getting to know all these characters. Um, it's it. I mean, I'm. I it, this film might as well be science fiction, because it's so. Right. It's set in such a weird scenario. Like none of the dates make sense at all. Like they're they're trying to do like Hitler is starting to occupy Germany 
1932, but that doesn't actually happen until 1938. And mm. like the all like there's a date there's a date that's thrown around in there and like that's like takes place in 1987. Yet all of the specifics in the scene are from like the or mid to late 90s. There's uh yeah so it's just so like Wes and, and Wes Anderson in an essay in an essay I read is like taking pleasure in sort of playing with uh, dates and times almost to kind of throw you off the path of like what the, what the grander story that is taking place is. It's kind of a fascinating film and there's not a lot of films like it. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I kind of mentioned this. um, I guess this is something that I discussed in the, what's it called? The um, uh, Moonrise Kingdom episode Mm -hmm. is I I feel like after, you know, in these two live action movies we get after Wes Anderson gets into, you know, animation and whatnot, is he kind of gets a little bit like, he gets really creative and kind of, you know, there are certain uh, things that happen in this movie, both in the story and the filmmaking that are like, I would describe as like cartoonish and silly and, and like unrealistic, but, and, and very quirky. Um, and you know, he, he does some of that stuff in Moonrise Kingdom and it doesn't work for me, uh, in that movie, but in this movie, everything really like, I don't care that like that skin like, <laughs> is just like so insane, right? Because this, uh, just the whole vibe of the movie is like, you're right. It may as well be science fiction. This is like, it's kind of like established as like, this is a world that like, isn't really, you know, the world as we know it. It's like a fun cinematic world. And, you know, I don't think that that was necessarily communicated uh, it, to me in um, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. I, but in yeah. this movie, it is. And I feel like, okay, I'm on board. And it's like a very funny world. And it's, it's you know, a lot of the sort of cartoonish effects and the, and the weird filmmaking tricks that Wes Anderson is doing and has started doing are like he's using them for humor like really effectively and it's it's cool it's like uh not a lot of directors like you can be a bad director and make like a good comedy movie i feel like Mm -hmm. like if like just think back to some of your favorite i'm not going to name any but like some of your favorite comedy movies from when you were a kid um they're not like necessarily directed very well. They're maybe like the acting's really funny or the writing's really funny. Yeah, like but like, Wes Anderson yeah. can be funny with filmmaking. Like it's like, oh, that's like a funny cinematic choice rather than, you know. I mean, there's funny people and funny lines in this movie, but there are certain things that's just the way that it's done is very funny. Yeah, I, he's, I appreciate he's that hysterical. Like he's, I think, I think his films are funnier than most comedies that come out um, in a way, yeah. or at least as funny. I mean, they're very dry, but like, like Adrian Brody is not an actor who I would consider to be very funny. But then you watch no. him in an, in a Wes Anderson movie, and he's hilarious. And the same thing with Edward Norton. He's not a guy who I think, well, that guy's really funny. He's a comedic actor. No. <laughs> But then you watch him in Wes Anderson's movies. He's hilarious. Uh, even like people, someone like Jude Law, Tom Wilkinson, F. Murray Abraham, like they're all so funny in this movie. Um, or Ray Fiennes, for example. Uh, he is absolutely... I was cracking up <laughs> at, Mr. Yeah. At, at M. Gustav throughout the entire film. 
and Ray Fiennes to me is a dramatic actor. Uh, so I agree. Yeah. But then you, yeah, you think of a movie like Tommy boy and I wouldn't say that that movie is like very well directed necessarily, but it sure is the, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. So it yeah. can go either way, you know, I, I, but I do appreciate how, um, Wes Anderson uses the medium itself to sort of craft visual jokes or rhythmic jokes, you know, things that are, they're really funny to look at. You know, he's not unlike uh, Stanley Kubrick in that way. Kubrick was also very funny with, with filmmaking choices. He kind of knew like the, the right rhythms to cut stuff in and, and, and just the, like the funniest things to put into frame in the moment. Also, I would consider Kubrick to be very dry too. And I would consider this film to be one of Wes Anderson's more Kubrickian movies. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to make a, a, a film about a hotel and not just r- completely rip off Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this movie is like, this movie is almost, almost every shot from the shining is somehow represented in this film. I think. Yeah. You know who I would like to... Okay, so, I, I, you know, I, I was just thinking about this because of what we were talking about. We we talked about in the Inherent Vice episode that, um, you know, I, I we, t- we talked about, like, Joaquin Phoenix in, like, a comedic role. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of like to see Joaquin Phoenix directed by Wes Anderson. Yeah. Just to see if I, like if Wes Anderson can make him funny. Because if you haven't heard our episode on Inherent Vice, my take was that, you know, that that book is, it's it's a funny book, and, uh, you know, there are certain, um, it's a funny book, and Phoenix plays a character who is very funny and whimsical and whatever, and my take, and this is just my personal opinion, is that I uh, have never really laughed at a Joaquin Phoenix performance. <laughs> And I would like to see him directed by like, yes, uh, the the Coen brothers or uh, Wes Anderson or some of these directors that can just like really do comedy well, like through filmmaking. Not to say Wes Anderson can't or uh, Paul Thomas Anderson can't, but you know, you know what I mean? Like a little bit more of a, I don't know, uh, cheeky director for lack of a better word. Um, Yeah. So, and on the other side of that, I would like to see Schwartzman in a PTA movie. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I would love for them to trade casts at any point. I think that would be really, that would really be really cool. They kind of already have since Owen Wilson's now in the PTA universe. Um, yes. But yeah, no, I mean, this is, uh, I would love, there, there is a handful of actors I would love Wes Anderson to get his hands on. Um, but Walking in Phoenix is one. I think that, um, uh, Ryan Gosling is another one. Uh, people who typically perform very seriously, very like uh, almost quiet, meditative performance actors. I want to see them in a Wes Anderson movie because he'll make them speed up their dialogue. You know what I mean? He'll make them like like comedic and rhythmic and bouncy and fun. Like uh, I would even I wouldn't I would mind uh, seeing um, you know Daniel D. Lewis in a in a Wes Anderson yeah. movie. I think yeah. that would be cool too. Um, so Jeremy, diving into a little bit of the of the background of this movie, uh, directed by Wes Anderson, of course, uh, written by Anderson, uh, inspired by the writings of Stefan Zweig, who 
Let's find out who the hell that guy is. He's an Austrian uh, Austrian novelist. Novelist, yeah. I read a, I read up on him a little bit, um, and okay. I and I actually wouldn't mind reading some of his novels too. If they're anything like this, that's it. Seems like it'd be really fun. Like, like I don't know, high society sort of. I, I really, it's weird. I, I I wouldn't consider myself a big like, you know, European enthusiast or anything. But when I see you know Wes Anderson do this sort of high society. <laughs> comedy it just i i really get into the world of it and it really makes me you know curious about more more fiction that takes place in these sort of settings where it's like you know it's like an old a very old way old customary way of like you know rich behavior or something like the bourgeoisie of the you know turn of the century (laughs) it's it's like it's like there's something really funny and fascinating and ultimately very comedic about about it and i you know um are you a fan of the films of wit stillman eric uh i don't know if i'm familiar he's the guy who did um like let the last days of disco and uh Hmm. um was it uh metropolitan i believe yeah anyways wit stillman is this like he's like a new york staple um Oh, he kind of inspired a lot of Wes Anderson stuff and a lot of uh, Noah Baumbach stuff. Um, yeah, he made like uh, Metropolitan Love and Friendship Barcelona. He he makes films a lot like Grand Budapest Hotel, and I feel like this film could easily be an homage to him. But you should check out Wit Stillman if you've never if you've never watched any of his stuff. It, it, it's very good, very funny. All right. Um. So. A little uh so this is the you know the cast in this movie insane we got Ralph, mm-hmm. Ralph Fiennes F Murray Abraham Matthew Amalric Adrian oh. Brody yeah one of the great French Defoe, direct or actors Goldblum Keitel La Murray Norton Cersei Ronan uh, Schwartzman I mean the list goes on Tilda Swinton, Swinton. Tom Wilkinson Bob Balaban oh, yeah. is in it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty great, uh, cast. So, uh, some of the just random IMDb trivia, uh, Wes Anderson, uh, and, uh, the cast, I guess, stayed in the same hotel, uh, in Germany during principal photography. He insisted all makeup and costume fittings happen in the hotel lobby to speed up filming. The owner of the hotel appeared in this movie as an extra, uh, working in the front desk of the Grand Budapest. After filming ended for the day, the crew often returned to find him at the front desk of their own hotel, <laughs> which I think is funny. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love every... Uh, I, I love hearing that a, that a movie was like everyone stayed at like the same place kind of a thing. Yeah. Like a, you know, like a Wet Hot American Summer kind of a thing where they all stayed at that camp for two weeks and made a movie. Right. That's that's just fun, and you know it reminds me of uh, um, where did they stay? The, I remember that the cast all stayed in the in the same house for uh, what's it called? Uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Yes, yeah. Um, I think that's an important which, aspect yeah. to his filmmaking style is that he creates a sort of family environment where everyone's kind of just on the clock the entire time but we're all but they're all like artists and working and 
and collaborating. It just seems so fun. Uh, on the feet on the featurettes for the, the for the Criterion Blu-ray, Jeff Goldblum talks about the costumes. How like the costumes are so important and so cool in this movie, and it really helps you like uh, almost like hypnotically get into your character in such a way that everyone's sort of like because they're dressed the part, they're all in character right away. And it just, and it creates this like vibe that everyone is. And I just like, love that. Like, it's almost like you're transported into the Wes Anderson mind state whenever you're on set. Mm. Um, the, uh, I'm jealous that you're watching all these, you're getting all these Blu-ray features. Oh, they're great. Is this, his movies are all criterion release all is, I, right? all the ones that i have yeah the only one that hasn't been released to the criterion is isle of dogs which is a bummer um mm. i'll get that one whenever it really if it releases but the rest of them are on there and i have them all now eric can you believe it and i'm only missing one oh david lynch from the criterion the elephant man okay nice um so this was the highest grossing independent movie of 2014 uh, also, the highest-grossing movie to date of Wes uh, uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah, I know it made back its money finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pretty uh, good. It's pretty see. cool. Yeah, it made back a lot of it. I mean, can you believe this movie? By the way, only cost twenty-five million. That seems low. That is. That does seem low. I mean, that's like a week's worth of groceries for me. <laughs> Uh, the soundtrack features a rare instrument, the balalaika, balalaika, wait, balalaika, mm-hmm. a three-stringed, triangular-shaped Russian folk instrument that was carefully chosen by Wes Anderson. <laughs> um, you know, I gotta be honest, I, I do like the, uh, I like the soundtrack a lot. I did not recognize that there was a, uh, an instrument that I, that was, particularly rare being no played, but i did i, I do, do think I, that's cool i do like the the soundtrack i will say this though don't like this movie even half as much as moonrise kingdom i do think moonrise kingdom has a better soundtrack yeah yeah i think you're probably right uh let's see did you see this thing about angela lansbury no do you know do you know An- angela lansbury from murder she wrote yes okay and she like plays the teapot on Beauty and the Beast. Dame Angela Lansbury was originally cast as Madame D. <laughs> she had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. Can you? I huh. can you uh, imagine her being in a Wes Anderson movie? That would be awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I've been thinking about uh, Murder She Wrote is like a is like a show that was always on during the day that mm-hmm. like it just always like seemed boring to me when I was a kid. And there is another show that always seemed boring to me that I've actually am now very interested in getting into. I kind of want to watch MASH. Have you ever watched MASH, Jeremy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Is it good? Yeah, the, the show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. It seems like fascinating to me. Well, yeah, MASH is great. Uh, the movie is great too, Robert Altman. All right, maybe I'll get into MASH. Um... The highest, uh, yeah, I guess we already did the highest gross. Have you seen any 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 trivia there, Jeremy? You wanna you wanna get to? Um, um, I'm not finding anything like particularly. 
Not exciting. No, I no, mean, not a lot really. of this trivia is about like how detailed like the props are and yeah. you know, how specific Wes Anderson is about various you know elements of the the set and things. But right, I I will say I guess it's worth mentioning that the the film is shot in like four maybe four different aspect ratios. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it yeah. uses three aspect ratios as framing devices which streamline the film's story, evoking the aesthetics of the corresponding periods. Um, mm. Yeah, so the it says the multifarious structure of the Grand Budapest Hotel emerged from Anderson's desire to shoot in the 1 by 37 by 1 format, also known as Academy Ratio. Um, I guess that's the ratio that uh, Bottle Rocket was also shot on. Um, okay yeah um the filmmakers formatted the modern scenes in the standard one by 85 by one ratio and the 1968 scenes were captured in widescreen two by 40 240 by one ratio so yeah (laughs) anyways what this means is that most of the film you're watching is um in like it what it what looks like full like full screen so like a box as opposed to widescreen hmm right yeah right yeah so um, that's like it's a, it's like near, it's like almost com- a complete square so it's like it's like very small when you're watching on your TV it's like incredible <laughs> you know yeah. all the, the sides are just gone <laughs> yeah yeah um so jeremy what do you say we dive into the plot here yeah Uh, if we dare (laughs) cemetery in the nation of zubrauka Uh, a young girl visits the shrine of a renowned writer known simply as author carrying a copy of his most cherished novel the grand budapest hotel um, so this is a cool I, I always I, I find this film to be fascinating Wes Anderson himself compares it to Dune David Lynch's Dune and that it's like almost okay. like an unrecognizable landscape for human interaction and it also seems to have a lot of world building within it so like when you get to the cemetery you're already like what is this <laughs> it's like it's like a little monument with a bunch of keys on it and I guess these are hotel keys that they're hanging on his sh- his little shrine. Yes. I yeah. Is that what you thought they were? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh the author begins narrating as the film explores his history, uh prefacing with a 1985 excerpt reading before uh, flashing back to his 1968 stay at the once grand, now drab hotel. Did you? Uh, um, did you? So the, the the first time we see Tom Wilkinson, there's like he's like reading from note cards, and then a kid comes in and shoots him with like a BB gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was that scene? <laughs> um, no idea. Very funny though. Mm-hmm. Um. There, yes, there he meets its owner, Zero, Mustafa, who invites him to dinner to hear his rags to riches story. Um, yes, so who, so Wilkinson is, um, 
Wait, which guy is Wilkinson? He's the he's I, Jude Law when Jude Law's older. Right. So he's okay. like it's like you see a monument of the author and the girl ha- hangs like a key on it. And then she looks at her book and then it cuts back to 1985. And it's an old Tom Wilkinson reading an ex uh, the preface or whatever of the book. And then it flashes back and then he gets shot with a BB gun by a little kid who then comes up and apologizes immediately. That scene is so weird, Eric. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> so then it flashes back to Jude Law staying at the Grand Budapest Hotel in 1968 after it's already now a rundown place. This is where we meet Jason Schwartzman and Jude Law, who's a young Tom Wilkinson, and he's seeing an old Zero Mustafa who's played by F. Murray Abraham. So now we've gone three layers deep, and we're about to go a fourth layer. Yes. And by the way, what do you think? So we're, we're, we're in the hotel. We're looking around. We're, you know, we're seeing Jude Law, Schwartzman interacting. What do, you, what do you think of just like the, I guess, the set, the way the, the, way the hotel looks? It's, it's great. I, I actually happen to love this set the most, which is the broken down version of the hotel. I love like how it's made to look real. Well, it's probably in its, in its, the actual condition that it's currently in, which is like just run down kind of shanty broken down. But like you can tell it used to be really gorgeous and opulent. Yes. Um, Yeah. I, I love, I, I really, really like, just the way this entire movie looks but yeah this this hotel is great like every single time we we get to go into a different room um it's just really cool i love the you know the massive like dining room and and the setup of uh yeah i don't know i just love everything about it also jude law kicks ass in this movie yeah, i'm not jude always Law's like great. a huge jude law head but man Good stuff. He's great. And then, uh, of course, F. Murray Abraham is great in everything that he does. And Schwartzman's really great. I I do kind of... There is this... There's something weird about this movie where there's almost like... The cast is almost too big. Where like nobody... A lot of the actors don't actually get that much of a chance to shine (laughs) in it. Like like Schwartzman, it might as well just be a random actor. Like it doesn't have to be Jason Schwartzman here, right? Like... There's because he doesn't actually end up doing anything <laughs> in the movie at all. I think he goes and helps like a choking old man. But other than right. that, um, yeah, he's kind of one and done. But then Jude Law and F. Marie Abraham, they have this like uh, this little bromance a little bit, like where they're in the bath and like they yeah, kind of talk to each other a little bit. And then they and then he asks him if he wants to come to dinner with him and and tell his story. It, it's just really. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm immediately transported into this world whenever this movie gets turned on. It's just like so fascinating. I do like the broken down hotel better than I like when we go to 1932. But of course, everything in 1932 is so gorgeous. Like I, in, an, in an article, they described it as like a, a, a very beautiful cake. Like the hotel is like this mm. beautifully layered pink cake. And I kind of agree with that where it's just like, Everything just looks like candy, like all of the furniture, all of the wallpaper. It just looks like edible somehow, like very delicious candy, like Mendel's, the pastry shop, you know, in the in yes. the film. It's like very cake-like, pastry-like, um, super gorgeous. Anyway. 
1932, Zero is the newly hired lobby boy of the prestigious uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Mon- Monsieur Gustav H., the hotel's fastidious concierge, sedu- uh, seduces old wealthy clients, among them the 84-year-old dowager, Madame D., uh, with whom he has had a nearly two-decade affair. So I'm a huge... I don't know this guy from anything else, but I'm a huge fan of the of Young Zero. Oh, that yeah. he's Well, I think he... Is he not new? Like... New to acting? I, I mean, yeah, I don't recognize him from anything. I haven't looked up his credits. Maybe I should have, but uh, he's, yeah, he's he's really good. Um, and uh, just really, like, fun, just, like, naturally very funny. And uh, this pairing is great. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of this? Uh, so we... You don't like the hotel as much in the 30s, you're saying. I, I, I just I just like it so much when it's um, old. But I yeah. but I do yeah. I do of course still think it looks amazing when we get to the to the 30s. It, it definitely So you're saying yeah. When we cut to the 30s, you absolutely hate the hotel. <laughs> yes, I hate the where most of the movie takes place in the 30s. Thir- no. I think it's very it's super gorgeous. It's just that um, it is also like it, it, when we cut back to the 30s, it's like a straight up fantasy movie. Like it just like looks like Alice in Wonderland or something. It just like blows up to being this beautiful, like super colorful. Um, so I, I do like it. I, I like it a lot. I just uh, I just really like the, the broken down hotel to also. Do you like the 30s look though a lot? Uh yeah, I think uh I like them both the same. I think yeah. I don't know if I had to pick maybe the maybe the thirties, but uh, yeah. So we uh where are we? Shortly after her last visit, Gustav learns from Zero that Madame D has mysteriously died. Um, he and Zero visit Schloss Lutz, her estate, to pay their respects and encounter. Her surviving relatives hearing the reading of her will by her attorney, Deputy Vilmos Kovacs. Mm. So we're meeting a lot of people here. Uh, Kovacs is Goldblum. Yes. Um, And then who are, because we have the train ride uh, to the estate. Oh, Um, what is that? Right. Before isn't that? Don't they take the train to the estate? Or is yes, it and this is where we meet Edward Norton for the first time. Yes, yeah, and and they and he kind of gets because his family. There's some sort of past that Edward Norton has with Ray Fiennes, and he like really appreciates Ray Fiennes, and it looks like they're going to get in a lot of trouble, and and and, and Zero's potentially going to get pulled off the train. And then they all start fighting, and then Edward Norton comes in and sort of saves them. He's like, uh, he's a we, he's an interesting character, right? Because Edward Norton's like, he's kind of an antagonist, but he's like a reluctant antagonist. He doesn't, right. he want, he doesn't want to pursue Gustav. You know, he like, he kind of loves the guy, but Gustav is, you know going to become a fugitive at some point and and edward norton is gonna have to pursue him which is i don't know it's kind of a i like that dynamic a lot 
Um, so Kovacs announces a recent uh, codicil to the will, which bequeaths Boy with Apple, a priceless <laughs> Renaissance painting, to Gustav. Uh, Madam's son, Dimitri, is outraged and demands Gustav's arrest. Gustav and Zero leave absco- absconding with the painting for safekeeping. Oh, man. What do you think of Dimitri, Adrian Brody's performance in this? <laughs> he's intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's one of uh, Wes Anderson's more cartoonishly evil characters. I mean... Yes, he is. I guess Willem yeah. Dafoe is actually more cartoonishly evil in this film. But Adrian Brody's pretty bad. He he's very homophobic. All of his dialogue yeah. is making fun of Gustav, or not not even making fun of, insulting him with yes, with gay using, slurs. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's uh, you know, a, a detestable a detestable character. He's scary, uh, kind of too. Like they both are. Him and Willem Dafoe. I feel like they have this scary almost monster like uh you know presence yeah um yeah god i love i love gold bloom <laughs> yeah he's great. so much um so at the uh the grand budapest gustav is arrested for madam d's murder uh he befriends a gang during his imprisonment and the men plot their escape <laughs> Uh, um, where he meets this is where he meets Harvey Keitel, which is great. Mm. What do you also think about like like so? There's like no accents in this movie. Like, do you? I, I I'm actually a big fan of this, where everybody, every all the actors are kind of instructed to use their native accent. Like nobody is using putting on a fake accent to pretend they are Prussian or British or German. Like Edward Norton is, for all intents and purposes, one of the heads of the German army or whatever. He's like a German commander, and he just talks like Edward Norton. He just talks like he did in Moonrise Kingdom. He's just like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, you know what's weird is that didn't even really register with me. But now I'm like, "How did I not notice that?" I guess. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That is that is interesting. I wonder now. I'm wondering, like, is it really even? that big of a deal to like have your cast like <laughs> you know s- like uh try super hard to like nail a specific accent or whatever um i don't know it's inter- that's interesting um yeah i don't know yeah uh, gustav so. has zero uh place digging tools inside uh Zero uh, Gustav has zero place digging tools inside pastries made by Agatha, an apprentice baker uh, at Mendel's and Zero's uh, girlfriend. Uh, what do you think of Agatha? Oh, uh, love, love Agatha. Um, yeah, interest. Such an interesting character. Apparently, she's based on uh, a lot of uh, characters out of an at Ag- uh, the Agatha Christie books. Which, okay. Uh, which is pretty cool. I, I love, I, I don't know. I think the quirk of having this big scar on the side of her face is really interesting. I don't know. I just like, I like, her, I like her as a character a lot. Um, you know, this movie is weird because it's like, it, it, all these characters are really good, but none of them get, I mean, only Zero and Ray Fiennes, Gustav, get, I would say, 
proper screen time, like enough to really get to know who they are, you know? Right. Like, like I, I like Agatha, but she, you know, you don't really get to know Agatha that well. Um, like who she is or what her character traits are defining character traits. I love that she's in love with zero. That's really co- cute. And, and it's like a cool layer. Um, yeah, it's great. They're a funny, uh, they're a funny, they have a funny dynamic. Um, Gustav and the others dig their way out and disperse. Uh, when zero and Gustav are reunited, they set out to prove Gustav's innocence with the assistance of a fraternity of concierges <laughs> of the Society of the Crossed Keys. So crazy. This idea <laughs> that all these concierges have this underground network. And then we, in rapid succession, we meet a ton of them, which is like Bill Murray, Bob Balaban, Owen Wilson. Um, yeah, it's cool. What did you think of this? It's funny. It's it's great. Um, I I love this movie. Like this movie, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, but like the way it's structured, it's just one of those movies where you're like, like once I once the setup happens where you find where you find out like uh, you know this guy got this painting or whatever, uh, this like valuable painting. Like, okay, this movie is just going to be like a straight up like weird adventure kind of a tale. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. Uh, and that's, you know, the cross keys is just like a weird, another like weird step in this just insane, funny uh, sort of adventure story. Um, they learn that Madam had a, a missing second will, which would only take effect if she is murdered. So Dimitri's hired assassin, J.G. Joplin, meanwhile, tracks Gustav's whereabouts and kills Kovacs and Serge uh Serge X and Root. Okay, we gotta talk what? about this about this killing of Kovacs scene. <laughs> yes. Um this might be one of the coolest Wes Anderson scenes in all of his movies. Like, like the way that this is shot is straight out of an Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, Kovacs or Jeff Goldblum running from Willem Dafoe through the museum. And it ends with one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in a Wes Anderson movie, (laughs) which is the sliding door cutting off all of Jeff Goldblum's fingers as he's getting pulled back into the room to be murdered. (laughs) 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 What, when you first saw that, were you just not completely taken off guard? Yeah, I was definitely not prepared for that (laughs) with with a Wes Anderson (laughs) film. (laughs) It's not something he like normally does uh, in his movies. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, when Joplin finally encounters them, Gustav and Zero flee, prompting a long cat and mouse chase. Uh, Zero then pushes Joplin off a cliff, killing him to save Gustav. The two men continue their escape from swarming Zubrauken troops. Uh, yeah, this whole thing is really fun. I like this a lot. This whole little chase. You know, I'm not usually a big like chase scene person, but I like this one a lot. Oh yeah, because it's it, funny. It's funny. That's the key. Is it's 
it's almost got like a, you know, I don't know, an Adam Sandler quality to it. Right. Um, they do. They are saying shabby doobie a lot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they are saying O'Doyle rules as they're <laughs> flying <laughs> yeah. down the mountain. Uh, yeah, this we- one also ends with a kind of a shocking ending of like um, Willem Dafoe crushing the ice, and and mm. you see that he's about to kill uh, Gustav. Like the ice is breaking, he keeps stomping it, and Gustav is you know the ice is cracking, is losing his grip. And all of a sudden, Zero just comes out of nowhere and just pushes him off the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) And the scream Willem Dafoe makes as he flies down the mountain is just really shocking. Uh, Gustav, Zero, and Agatha arrive back at the Grand Budapest to find it uh, converted into a military headquarters. Uh, Agatha sneaks in to retrieve Boy with Apple to sell... As she tries to leave, Dimitri enters the hotel and spots her with the painting. Uh, Gustav and Zero run, uh, rush to save Agatha from harm as she escapes from Dimitri. Uh, he opens fire on them, initiating an intense but confusing... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, shootout with Zubra- uh, Zubraukin troops. Uh, Agatha attempt... Agatha's attempt to escape leaves her and Zero hanging from a balcony before they fall safely into a van of pastries. So two uh, two yeah, things, sh- yeah. Oh, go on. It's funny. I was just gonna say that shootout scene is really funny. It is very funny. Uh, two things about this I wanted to mention. One, I think the best joke in the movie happens here, where uh, Gustav and Zero are in the car and they're looking from the outside at the Grand Budapest and all the soldiers filing in and they're like and Gustav is going on this long monologue where he's like I cannot believe we've become like a den of wolves for uh, you know housing these the the fascist troops I shall never in my entire life step foot in the Grand Budapest again and Zero sees Agatha, Agatha walk in and he goes me neither well actually I think we're gonna have to go in pretty soon because Agatha just <laughs> walked in <laughs> so immediately just undercuts all the gravitas of Gustav's monologue. It's just like, I'll never step foot in there again, turns into, actually, we have to go in there right now. (laughs) Uh, That's very funny. And then the second thing is, this ending to me, like, I mean, I guess it's not the true ending, but it's like, it's sort of the the climax of the film. It's actually kind of a lot like Moonrise Kingdom's climax, don't you think? Sort of, yeah. It's like people hanging from a building kind of a thing, like about to fall, uh, you know, or or just up high on a roof, like the climax of of something leading to a roof or balcony where you are you might fall to your certain death, you know. Uh, Madam's second will, making Gustav the beneficiary of her fortune, is found attached to the back of a uh, boy with apple. He succeeds her as owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel, becomes one of the wealthiest men in Zubrauka. Uh, while traveling by train, he, Zero, and Agatha encounter soldiers who destroy Zero's refugee documents. Uh, Gustav tries to fend off the soldiers, but is shot dead. Uh, Zero, Gustav's sole heir, inherits his fortune. He retains the now decrepit Grand Budapest Hotel in memory of Agatha, who died of illness with their infant son. Uh, The experiences are incorporated into the author's celebrated book, 
And the film ends with the young girl reading the Grand Budapest Hotel next to his memorial. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that is uh, how, how, the end. That is the end. How did you feel about this ending after after our great adventure wraps up and we get this sort of epilogue, which is, you know, the I, I what I would I would call it sort of the harsh, sobering reality of the end of the film. Like we see Gustav defend Zero's honor in the train car one last time, o- only to cut back to the. 1960s and hear him unceremoniously reveal he was shot <laughs> right um yeah i'm i'm i i like the ending actually i think that it's uh uh i don't know i, I don't know how to describe it but i i, I do like the way it kind of like wraps up it's kind of like it's not like a, a perfect uh ending it's cer- certainly not like a happy ending um yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like it. I don't know. I I don't know why. But um, are you are you satisfied with the way the movie ends? I am very satisfied with the way the movie ends. But I I'm, but it, I totally acknowledge like it is. It's there's something really sad. I mean, not something oh, yeah. really sad. It's it's an incredibly sad ending. Uh, Zero let leads a pretty a pretty depressing life. Like he has this great adventure with all these great memories and all this, you know, shoot, you know, gunplay and, and prison breaks and, and then only to kind of reveal like, you know, Agatha and his son both died from a disease that he says is very easily treatable today. But back then it killed millions of people. And then goose. And then he reveals that Gustav was shot. But it's just like yes. it's like very sad, and I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like whenever you're reading like something from history, right? A story, um, you know, you kind of can get into like the the when and the where of it, and it kind of be enraptured by it. And then you, and then it's always like when you're reading about someone's life, you get to the end, and it's just the death is always just feels so abrupt you know, where it's like, oh man, Stanley Kubrick, you know, he made all these movies. He did all these crazy things. He was a part of all these different scandals. And then you get to death and it just like died in his sleep after making his last film. You know what I mean? It's just like very abrupt, you know, it's just like the, uh, again, sobering sort of harsh reality of life. That is in reality, you know, there is no such thing as a happy ending because people die and time moves. It's, kind of a bummer i i don't know i guess i i love that the point of it is is like here is this very specific snapshot in history and we're going to show you this story and then we're going to pull you way back out into even modern day we're going to bring you back all the way to modern day where none of it is relevant anymore it's almost like none of it ever even happened pretty cool yeah uh yeah i'm into it and i guess it it kind of like i don't know there's so it's so interesting that now this character is just like live like he just lives in this like huge this like massive place i mean that explains why the grand budapest is now you know getting kind of like run down and dated Mm -hmm. and, and whatever um 
But also, the, isn't there a thing in the beginning how they set they where he he stays in the smallest room of the? Mm-hmm. He still does. Yeah, like yeah, um, like there's something to that about him just still having to like he goes through all that and now he's just left with this like huge uh, <laughs> hotel, I guess that he like now just has to live in and everything you know is obviously probably a, rem- a reminder of everything that happened and uh yeah it's interesting i love it it's like uh you know this movie to me is like sitting down uh much like you know the way it's told in the film is like sitting down with an old man mm-hmm. who just so happens to have a really fascinating like life story that they tell you about mm. um you know like i had uh uh, uh I've I've definitely experienced that in my life where like I've you know talking to like an older relative or whatever just like known them for a while and then you just learn about their life story and it's like damn that's like it it's insane it's like it, I get the same feeling from this movie of just like hearing a really good like life story from someone um and uh yeah it's uh it's good stuff uh Jeremy Final thoughts and Chucky Freckle ratings for Grand Budapest. Um, final thoughts is I th- I think that this movie might be his most impersonal film to date. Um, that being said, I think it's an testament to how good the movie is and how well the premise is executed upon that I'm going to give this film 3.75 Chucky Freckles out of four uh almost a perfect score i think that um of his films the one that the ones that i have given a perfect score to are um only the royal tenenbaums so uh so yeah uh this movie is up there to me with the master and punch drunk love and rushmore as being you know, near perfect, but I think if this movie had been just a little bit more personal or had this even a few more big moments of heart, you know, I, it would have gotten maybe bumped into that four. But it's not the kind of movie that the Grand Budapest Hotel is. The the type of movie that this is mm-hmm. a, is like Clue almost. It's like a a murder mystery heist sort of caper film. That is again. It's like the 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 story of it uh, outweighs maybe the the character development, and I think that that's fine. I think that's really cool. Um, uh, it's not what I'm usually looking for out of a Wes Anderson film, but I think this one's so good that to me, it gets a really high score. I think I think it like it looks perfect. The score is like perfect. The the casting is perfect. It's just. There's so many perfect things about it. Um, I was a way bigger fan of this movie than I thought I was going to be, and I like it. I think more than I than than most Wes Anderson movies. As I'm looking at my list, yeah, I like it better than just about, just about, yeah, all of them minus uh, Ten and Bombs. You know, Jeremy, I really like this movie a lot. Uh, you know, Bottle Rocket remains my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but like, how do you even compare this to Bottle Rocket? Right, it's so point? different. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> insane. But uh, you know, uh, I I just 
I I found myself getting sort of like souring on Wes Anderson at a certain point. And I don't know, I guess just seeing this movie for the first time recently, I kind of like re-realized there is a reason that there's a lot of hype around Wes Anderson. He is really good uh, at what he does. And I think certain things like... uh, um, you know, like Fantastic Mr. Fox or Moonrise Kingdom are like I can recognize that they're they're good, but are just like not for me. This the Grand Budapest Hotel is like this is my kind of movie. Love this movie, very funny, very engaging. Um, just everything's great. And it's just like I don't know, man. Like you, you just the way you're just like this guy understands how to use the medium of filmmaking and he he uses like every tool in his tool belt in this uh, you know, in this one and it it just rocks. It's so good. I too will give it a 3.75 only because um you know, looking at my other scores, the only perfect scores I gave uh, movies uh, movies with perfect scores are Punch Drunk and There Will Be Blood and I just I don't think this movie is as good as those no. but I can't think of anything that I don't like about this movie right. either so, <laughs> right I don't know you know what now nah, I'll leave it at 3.7 <laughs> I, I can't do 4 I was almost going to do 4 Whoa. but uh, did you give Bottle Rocket a 4 Oh yeah, Bottle Rocket has a four. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I also gave so, There Will Be Blood a four. The, all the fours are There Will Be Blood, Ten of Bombs, and I guess I gave oh and Boogie Nights. I gave a four too. Um, Jeremy, next week I believe we are discussing uh, Phantom Three. Phantom Three. Yes, and then uh, and then the Three Musketeers, and <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm excited to cover the rest of. I am excited to finish Paul uh, W. S. Anderson. Same, uh, but I think we'll have a lot of fun along the way, uh, and I hope you. I hope you you keep listening, and and please give us those suggestions. We uh, you know we have some ideas of our own, but we're we're always. You know, we want to cover stuff that you want to listen to us talk about. Uh, so hit us up. Let us know what you want us to cover. Jeremy, any plugs before we sign off? Absolutely not. Well, my plug is for patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Five bucks a month. You get weekly bonus episodes. It's a great time. Huge back catalog of episodes. And Norma? I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.